Yeah. I, I thought that, that might it be okay. It says to put pickle juice in it, but I said I don't have any pickle juice, so I just put bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Are you drinking anything? Because this will be dumb if I'm just drinking by myself. Well, of course not. Come on. <laughs> what are you drinking? I am drinking Jethro Tea Boots. Oh, really? The bourbon that you that you bought in L.A.? Yep. That was bad. Genuine sour mash aged to perfection. Crafted in the time-honored tradition. Yeehaw. It's got a star. A Marshall Town Marshall star. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey Jethro Tea Boots. It's not too bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I was uh, I was pleased with it when we had that in LA. I'm yeah, drinking. and it's. Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, and it was cheap. Oh yeah, that was that was the surprising part about it because how cheap it was and it was still pretty decent, pretty, pretty decent bourbon. That's like the uh, Samuel Grant. I was yeah. like, I kind of like this. <laughs> so I'm drinking a, a Corona Premier right now, um, ninety the calories. Brown? No, not the brown one. That's the familiar. The oh. familiar. Uh, this is the Corona Premier. It's basically everything is the same, just reduced calories. Uh, it's 90 oh. calories. Um, my parents brought it over uh, because they don't drink beer, and clearly they don't know how to buy beer. <laughs> so it's not great, but um, it's only 2.6 grams of carbs. Well, <clears throat> I know I have a bunch of beer in the fridge. and but I Prior have, to like... that, I did some pre-gaming while I was waiting for you to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> to get on the uh, to get on the podcast and so i made myself a um isabelita it's um for for uh, saint isabel just for, to let uh, you guys know that this uh episode is brought to you by the book drinking with drinking saints. with the saints <laughs> both of us have this book <laughs> if you're not an alcoholic or if you're an alcoholic and you also like jesus this is the book for you they tell you a drink per day that has to do with a particular saint no, so this one was um, oh she's not even a saint. It's Blessed Isabel of France. Um, oh, close she's enough. Uh, she's uh, the sister of Saint Louis the Ninth. And the cocktail okay. was the Isabelita. Um, it was all right. It wasn't great. It was kind of um, flowery, I guess, because it's a lot of gin. Like it was one and a half ounces of gin, and then a half ounce of orange juice, half ounce of sweet vermouth. But I didn't have sweet, so I put in dry. But I don't ten, tend to like sweet vermouth anyway. Yeah, because that's how it works. <laughs> well, I don't like sweet vermouth anyway, so yeah. I, I thought that, that might it be It says okay. to put pickle juice in it, but I said I don't have any pickle juice, so I just put bourbon. <laughs> so I just put bourbon. <laughs> yeah, and then a, a quarter ounce of grenadine. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, uh, it was not good. I think I probably should have splurged for the sweet vermouth on that one. <laughs> Jeez, but. Uh, <laughs> Instead of fries, can I have a thing of egg rolls? <laughs> or what was Dylan? Can I have a sandwich, but instead of lettuce and tomatoes, can you just put bacon on instead? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that drink didn't turn out so well. It was, I mean, it was all right, but man, it was, it tasted like chewing on some potpourri. Like, like it's a lot of gin, but the, usually I like the gin with something that's going to temper it a little bit, like a tonic. Yeah, or something like that. But um, I don't even know if the sweet from Earth would have tempered it enough. It was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was... some gin is tough like that because, like, right. I know 
you know, sometimes it's like drinking pine needles and stuff. And plus, it calls for you to shake it, which I know you're not supposed to shake gin, but I shook right. it anyway. You did, you stir gin. Yeah, right. Because right. you don't want to bruise it. Right, and I, so I think I think because it did call for shaking, and I shook it anyway. I probably just should have shook all the other ingredients and then poured the gin in afterwards. That would have been smarter, but and I think that would have been tasted better. But anyway, that's not what I did. I shook all the things because I followed the instructions on this on this book. Um, so, uh, for all you listeners out there who want to try this, don't shake the gin. <laughs> Pour the gin in afterwards. Nobody likes a shaken gin. All right. Yeah. So, all right. Let's so talk about we, Congress. Let's talk about Congress. Saturday, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday of Congress. The last, the last bit of Congress and what we what we took out of that. Saturday was my highlight for for the Saturday and the first session on Sunday were my highlights for the whole Congress. Okay. Where do you want to start? Um, start with uh, start with Saturday. Like, what was your first session? That I don't remember. Let me look that up. Hold on. Okay, good. This is good pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first session. Let's see. La. That's okay because I don't remember mine either. I was just telling you. <laughs> so you're passing the buck to me. Yeah. All right. Sure. Let's see. Oh, I remember. I didn't do my first session. You I, didn't? I, yeah, it was one about touching. <laughs> Safe environment. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't. What was it called? I don't know. <laughs> no. My mine was uh, Doctor Thomas Groom. It was on uh, Living Faith: Why and How to Evangelize. I left that early, actually. Um. Not not anything against Thomas Groom because I like his methodology, uh, but he was literally um, going back to the idea that Catholics evangelize is not just a Protestant thing. And I'm like, oh, this is uh, this is not for me. I'm like, I'm I I have like some 13 books on evangelization or 14 books on evangelization in my office here, and um, I'm I don't need to be convinced. I need to evangelize. I just needed more. I was looking for, um, I guess, a little bit more substance, maybe how to evangelize um, effectively, I guess. I don't know, just maybe some additional tr- tricks and tools. Yeah. So I went sh- I went shopping instead, and I bought books. You didn't even pour it in a cup? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, you haven't been watching this. <laughs> I, been... I thought you poured it in the cup like a gentleman, but no, just drinking bourbon straight out the bottle. <laughs> I still have my water bottle too. Very nice, very nice, balanced. Uh, okay, oh, what was your first session. You remember what yours uh, was? Yeah, my Saturday session. It was the touchy feely one, or something. And then, uh, what's it called? <clears throat> I was a little, you know, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what this heck this is supposed to be. It sounds funny. You said it's supposed to be funny or not funny. Ha ha, but funny, weird. And then, so I was just like, hmm. And then we went to, and then, okay. Everybody at home. The thing with you day that's tough is in the beginning of the day, there's this prayer service in the beginning and it's a lot of fluff that doesn't need to be there. Except so for it was even really the re- good on Saturday. <laughs> No, 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 no. The speakers. Yeah, the was, speaker was the prayer was part great. good? Oh, no. I missed the prayer part. But the, the speaker part no, no, was no, great. No, no, no. the prayer part. 
Oh yeah, it usually doesn't happen. Yeah, see, that's the thing. How many times have we gotten there early? We watch a bunch of dancing, and then the, this, the prayer part is a lot of people reading stuff and people reading things here and there, right? And all this stuff, and it's like kind of like okay, it's really not getting my attention. It doesn't feel like a deep enough prayer. Right. Some of it seems politically motivated, oh. and and then it's like okay, yeah, okay. And it's like, wow, I really wasted, you know, 20 minutes of my day coming here, listening to this. I mean, it's not like it's terrible, but it's like, uh, and then, you know, then we usually get there early and all this stuff. So then Saturday, I'm like, okay, forget this crap. I'm tired of doing that. And then especially because, um, I guess because when we had Father Chris do all the opening speeches and sister came in and hers was good but not great right you know and it's our first time right. and like i said the other day it's like you know if she's good at running a a youth you know ministry or whatever it is the um what is it the well she's the director all of the religious director education. Of education religious education so she's over basically everything right right if she's good at that yeah, if she's good at that, that's what counts, not saying a speech. Right, right. But right. so Father Chris is not doing it anymore. So it's kind of like, oh, hers was kind of long and, yeah. you know, it wasn't as and good as And he had a before, gift of preaching, so like, too. Okay, whatever. So Father then Chris to, could preach. Yeah. Yeah. But so then this is like this, and then you're like, okay, well, maybe maybe I can miss the beginning of the prayer and get there for the keynote. Well, then I timed it all out wrong, and you yeah, know, when yeah. you guys were going to wait, and you're like, hey, we're still waiting. And I was like, all right, let's go. And then Dylan's like, hey, we're, we already left. We'll meet you at the arena. And then I'm like, all right, I'll take a shower and take my time. But then I got there right at the end of the keynote, and everybody looks at me and says, oh, this was the best keynote yeah, ever. it was really good. And then really Angel's like, it. you would have really liked this deal. <laughs> that was good. You, you would have loved this. Right. And I was like, ah, damn. Yeah. So I was really sad about that, but I'm going to try to see if I can find it online. Good luck with that. If you do find it, let me know, because I'd like to be oh. able to share the, some of, these, some don't of the they, keynotes. Don't they, don't they show that stuff? Or? Usually you got to buy it. Like they, Usually they don't, A, do a video um, of the keynotes. They do an audio, and you have to usually purchase them. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. How much? Uh... I don't remember because I don't typically buy them. But hers was oh, really know, good. Yeah. I know. Yeah, because like my, uh, my aunt, she was there. My uncle and aunt were there on Friday. And they and I don't think they actually registered and they just went into the arena. Because nice. you, you can, basically. Because you kind of can. And then they went right. to Mass. And it's like, I, I, don't, I see it hard to be like, ah, you can't be here for Mass because it's church. Right. Like, who kicks people out? So they did all that stuff. And then, so they said, the tough part is when you go to one thing and you do the other. or And you can't do some of the others. So my uncle's like, yeah, my aunt, you know, she, Mary just buys all the buys all the recordings anyway. Yeah. <laughs> of all the stuff she missed. So I was so, like, okay, that's a good way to do it. For all the folks at home, the uh, keynote on Saturday morning was Sister Teresa Maya. Um, and what she talked about was, um, uh, I guess really it was kind of the heritage of faith and a living faith and what that looked like, uh, through the witness of her grandmother. 
and it was it was great because it was just a beautiful story of how her grandmother really embodied the faith, how she helped build the church and how she helped instill in her children and her grandchildren um, the faith. Um, what I liked was the story of uh, how her grandmother would go to confession. She's she she said that uh, um, she heard stories of her grandmother going into confession, trying to confess the sins of all the families, uh, of all the members of the families, and uh, um, the priest saying, "Hey, that's not how this works. You can't confess the sins of your of your children or your grandchildren." And, and she's like, and she's like, "Oh, Jesus knows. Jesus knows." And so and so it was just a uh, it was just really sweet because uh, um, you know that that endearing aspect of uh, a your grandmother. And B that that was the person that really kind of led you in the faith and was a was a beautiful example of faith. So it was cool. It was a really cool story. <sighs> <laughs> or what about your second session? What did you do for second session? All right. Well, my well, yeah. The session after that. Well, what happened was Angel was staying in the arena, so I stayed in too, and. Uh, and I said, oh, I'll just stay with you. And I don't remember who the guy was, but it was really, it was a good session. And he really kept my attention, but he did talk a little bit about things on, on, you know, a little bit about suffering and stuff like that. But I don't remember what the point was now. Wait, this is really good. This is a really good review, everybody. But it was very good stuff. Like, it kept Oh, that was Dr. Robert Wicks. Yeah. The resiliency, right. the heart storming, right? Creating a yes. place God can go home. Yeah, so look, well, it's the resiliency online, part, too. like uh, uh, overcoming things. Right, right. Yeah, he, know, he, he does that really well. He talked a lot he was... about his daughter and stuff like that. Yeah. And she's had some medical problems and things, so. Yeah. And then we yeah, went that... to uh, Shakey's. Shakey's munch a lunch. <laughs> There's awesome. a Shakey's on Harbor, and it's not that far away. So we usually drive up there on Saturday. I don't even know where we started this. I don't remember. I don't know. Um, was, I felt like it was like, hey, I need munch a lunch. Maybe that might have been it. Because I know, like, when we go there, we're tip- we typically want to eat local. Because anywhere we go, we should we kind of want to eat local, like. So support yeah, you don't local. want to go to Chili's because no, I could go silly. to Chili's here. Right. I think the only time we ever broke Except that rule Except for Joe's was... Crab Shack. And I think right. it's just because it's... I was going to say the same thing. That's the, that's the consistent time we break that rule is Joe's Crab Shack. But that's because of but Lent. But then it's just because it's it's cl- it's close and it's fish and it's Lent and, you know, yeah. Yeah. But... But we usually try to do something. I found the other day on Facebook, it showed me that four years ago we went to that taco place in Orange. <clears throat> oh, where we had the where... um, uh, Michelada? The, yes. That... Yes. I did not like the Michelada. No, and I didn't like drinking Jeevy's leftover Michelada. Because <laughs> she it was did too not spicy like it either. Or too... <laughs> yeah. So I sat there and I had my beer and I'm like, well, if I pour my beer into this, it'll water it down. It's in it. <laughs> I know a lot of people like like Bloody Marys and Micheladas and stuff like that. But to me, the Michelada tasted like a it should be a marinade for steak and then or chicken or you marinate your chicken in that overnight. And then the next day you cook it. Yeah. Versus drinking it. You Not don't drink good. your chicken marinade. Yeah. 
Anyway, well, um, the the other session I went to uh, on Saturday was um, Julianne Stans. It was all about... uh, um, Oh, your girlfriend. (laughs) Renew and refresh uh, for those who have been in ministry and restore. Um, The idea was, you know, if you're you're in ministry for a long time, uh, figuring out how to uh, kind of... I don't. I don't think cope is the word, but maybe rejuvenate yourself because it's really easy to get burned out in ministry, being in ministry for uh, many years, and and keeping up with the pace of everything because it is nuts. Um, I think I've I've mentioned before. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but like you know, uh, Rick Warren and his Saddleback Church has like twenty or thirty thousand something uh, members, which is equivalent to like. 7,000, 6,000 families in, in the Catholic uh, world or whatever. And uh, he has a ministry staff of actually 400 people. He has a, he has a staff of 400. And um, That's paid. That's paid staff, 400. <laughs> and to give you an idea, St. Francis of Assisi, we have, I think, 8,100 registered members. And we're a staff of like 20... 25 maybe 26 and ministry staff of like three if you're not counting clergy so so this <laughs> Craig Christie and I are are your ministry staff <laughs> but uh, um yeah and then yeah. you have like two assistants yes yes we do part-time each Nikki and, and Alex that's like mood. yeah and that's yeah that's that's really it Ricky and Alex and the ministry staff um yeah. What was my second session? Crap. I don't remember. I remember my third one. All, I, all I'm excited about doing is getting to that Byzantine liturgy because I thought that was super fun. But let me see what your second session could have been. Let's see. Session. Okay. Oh, well, my third. I'll talk about my third session while you're oh, doing that. I clicked on the <laughs> Spanish one. <laughs> yeah, so my third session was uh, it was youth as uh, young adults. And uh, Angel was in that too. And Amy from. Uh, St. Anthony's and Tiffany from um, St. Joe's were all in there. We're talking. We're learning about oh, nice. young adults. Yeah, it was, was a it? lot more facts and figures on how. <laughs> you know, I feel like all these facts and figures on young adults are like, yeah, no, we're no good at this. I like data though, so those are usually right up my alley. Yeah. So just ways to fix it kind of, or, or I don't know. I feel like a lot of stuff is like, this is what doesn't work. Did you and go to the, everything. Did you go to the Pope Francis seven year itch with, uh, that's Jan the Allen? one. Yeah. Was that fun? Yeah, that was pretty fun. Yeah. That was in the arena also. And, uh, it was pretty good. It, you know, it wasn't like enlightening or anything, but it was more like a, Hey, uh, it was the dude who like covered, um, um, you know, he, he, he works for the a press, uh, some Catholic press or something like that. And, and he wor- lives out in Rome and, you right. know, he's a contributor on like uh, CNN and stuff like that. And he, he did, he just pretty much said, Hey, in the last seven years, this is kind of what's happened, you know? And... <clears throat> You know, he's pointing out the good things that Pope Francis has done. He's pointing out the things that he hasn't really done. You know, like we were talking about, like, the two big problems with uh, with the church. You know, either in the very beginning of his of his um, papacy is, like, you know, the uh, sex scandals and the 
what's it called? Um, and the money of of the the Korea of the, of the Vatican, and how it's like, oh, you know, it's all hidden, and you know, is everything on the up and up and stuff like that. And he hasn't really, you know, shed a light on any of the money stuff or whatnot. And then we're finding out this story about some people in the Vatican who are buying out, you know, warehouses in Chelsea area of London and they were going to tear them down and build them up uh, big fancy luxury condos and then rent those out or whatever or sell them out or and any of that money you get you put towards the church or something so I'm like oh that's a good business plan but they only used X amount of Vatican money and the rest they got from like some ginned up lob- mobsters or something out in in Italy and it's like uh, I don't know if that's a good idea and then they needed to get like another like hundred million dollars or something for the Vatican to get those guys out of there and all this stuff. And then, you know, it was, and it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, it's good that we figured, found out that these guys were doing this stuff. But it's bad that we didn't know they started it. So, like, we have safety precautions to catch this stuff. But we should have caught it earlier. So it's not, you know, the precautions aren't good enough, I guess. And then I guess there's this uh, overseeing, um, you know, um, group for like uh, uh, trade and, you know, uh, business or something in Europe and for the Vatican or the Catholic Church to do a lot of money deals or whatever in the future, they have to make sure that they pass this guy's, these people's inspections so they're going to have to check out some of their books and make sure that everything's groovy. Now, like, I guess the Catholic Church can do whatever they want with their own money. But if you're going to do trade and stuff, it's like you need a little seal of approval. And that's supposed to come up in a year or something. So it's like we don't want to get on the blacklist. But so the guy's like, I don't know if we're going to pass or what, but I hope. So. So was this an uplifting talk or not? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't either uplifting or or sad. Like I'm just kind of sounded like he was just reporting the news. He was just yeah. He was just reporting what happened. Oh, okay. So towards the end, it was a lot of the negative stuff. Right, right. But you know, in the beginning, he was you know. And then he talked well, isn't about that like, everybody's job. Like in the beginning, we're really good at it, and then as we get settled in, we kind of we kind of start to suck. <laughs> Or is that just me? Maybe yeah, maybe. Just like... <laughs> maybe maybe that's what he was pointing out. But he was, you know, kind of pointing out, like, the Pope was doing this and this and this when he started. And right. then the problem was, um, you know, when, when he's finding out about uh, the molesters or something, like, he was like, you know, n- no tolerance kind of attitude. But yet when they had the Cardinals and stuff who who – hid the molesters or transferred them and stuff he was kind of like yeah well let's let's wait on it or or something like that where you know you're finding right. out of people who they they were you know 99 percent sure they were like guilty of stuff but you know they were still in positions right, or whatnot in the diocese or whatnot yeah yeah something like that where usually a good business would be like hey guess what we're not going to throw you in jail right now but i mean we're going to suspend you you know, even like, you know, with police officers, it's like you're suspended with pay. So we got to figure this stuff out. And once we figure everything out, you know, you're either going to be punished or you're going to be, you know, 
um, you know, oh, exonerated. it's all a mistake. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah, exonerated. And you're good, and we'll put you back on the beat. But apparently they just left them on the beat while they were checking things out or whatever. So I don't think that was pretty cool. But he was just pointing that out. Like, in some points he was like an ass kicker, and the other points he was like, ah, wait and see. So, but... You know, but there were a lot of other good things, and there were other points that they were saying, because, you know, he's a more liberal pope and all that, so they were like, oh, we're going to have, you know, married priests and women deacons and all that stuff, <laughs> you know, by, you know, year three, and that's four years ago. Right, and now right. that this whole Brazilian uh, a Amazon, Amazon Senate, incident, yeah. and he had to point out that it had nothing to do with online purchases, and, um, you know, we've already online talked about this purchases. on a previous podcast, too. Right. Please refer to if Pachamama. If Pachamama, that's funny. If Pachamama, if Pachamama floats, then she's real. If you're interested in what we're talking about. Um. Yes. So look up that episode. It's great. And uh, but he was pointing out all that stuff like that, and he was just saying that, you know, the people, <coughs> you know, during that Senate, uh, it was like. Uh, a majority of the people were in, who were voting, I guess, like, I guess what it was is they voted on things like, hey, yeah, we'd be open to this or or maybe this is a good idea to do this. And then the Pope has to has to stamp it. So it's good. Yeah. Or something. So, well, the way it works is like so the way a synod works is they're discussing synods are typically discussing a particular issue in um, that's going on in a region like like local synods versus an ex ecumenical council. Ecumenical council is the whole church gathering together versus local synod is usually um, something that's more regional in, in, in scope. And what they do is they discuss particular issues and they make suggestions in their documents. Um, so the, the document is it's called a working document in Latin. It's like, um, what, what is it in Latin? Instrumentum laborious or something like that. Because I think <laughs> I titled our, um, whenever I save our, our, um, podcast as, as I'm editing them, I, I title it as Instrubor Instrumentum Laborious. So it's a working document. And the the way it works uh, is they complete the document after the synod and they send it to the Pope. And the Pope reviews uh, everything that was there or if he was at the synod himself, he he, t he takes copious notes and uh, with his with his committees and stuff like that. And then he what he does is he issues a post-synodal post apostolic exhortation which is Pope Francis' favorite way to address the Catholic world. It actually is pretty low in authority levels, according to, like, hierarchy of um, of documents, because typically apostolic exhortations don't contain any law. They're usually pastoral suggestions for particular things. Um, so even if Pope Francis did come out on that apostolic exhortation and say something like, you know, uh, allowing for priests to get married would actually would have a really low level of authority and um uh it would i mean it would open the door for things that uh would would be bad politically for the church right now um but it's it would have been a really low level of authority and disputed and stuff like that and we would have had a nightmare of just podcasters and media people just blowing up at pope francis so i'm glad he didn't do that but <laughs> um but anyway well, that's that's his yeah, favorite. That's what, oh. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, well, what was funny is the way he said it is the Senate seemed to be in favor 
of for the Amazon region to have your female deacons and your male priest or your married priest because of the fact that, you know, they might get a priest once a year or something. Exactly. You know, that's just like you can only go to mass once a year kind of thing, let alone, you know, when we used to talk about on how, you know, some of the more rural areas of like South America and stuff is you get the bishop shows up once every five years or so. So if you're going to have confirmations, it's like everybody get up there for confirmation. And you have like 14, you know, age groups all showing up and it's like, okay, you're getting confirmed today. Boom. You're done. See you in five to seven years. You know, but now it's like going to mass, like, hey, it's June. This is when we're going to go to church, you know, or something. So, you know, so they were all in favor of all these somewhat controversial subjects and stuff. And then I guess the bishop has not said yes or no to anything. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, um, not unlike uh, Humana Vitae um, whenever Pope Paul VI put that out, because there was a lot of bishops in favor of accepting um, birth control. Actually, a majority of bishops, I think, were in favor of, of accepting birth control. And then uh, Pope Paul VI put out Humana Vitae, that encyclical, and um, denouncing birth control because of um, the ramifications of it, making uh, making uh, the, the principle of making children a commodity, something that you can purchase versus a, um, a gift given through an act of love. And uh, he predicted a lot of what we're currently seeing in the world with the raise in abortions and the um, the the radical individualism and all this kind of stuff that kind of f- flowed from all that, the disconnect and the deconstruction of the family and whatnot. But yeah. Anyway, do you think that the bishops voted for the birth control? Oh yeah, because absolutely. Of a deterrent to because oh because what? Oh well, I was saying, do you think they voted for it? As a deterrent to abortion. No, actually, I think they voted for it because of pressures from um, the world, because a lot of churches were were for it. Like, most of the Christian churches kind of accepted it, even though at one point all the Christian churches held the same churches, or held the same position as us, is against it, um, gradually yielded and, and went for it. And then the Catholic Church, a lot of bishops, I think, felt some of that political pressure saying hey look look what everybody else is doing this seems to be like an okay thing uh and so it's a lot of bishops socially were, acceptable kinda. exactly and then a lot of the bishops were like hey well let's let's move this way it's a it's an advancement in modern medicine or whatever and then the pope and uh, was like yeah but no it it actually changes fundamentally how we so how we see children and he was not wrong by any means. <laughs> no, no, no. I see that, but I was just trying to see why they would say stuff like that. Right. Because you know, you see that you. I could see the argument, and I've and I've seen it myself, or thought of it myself. You know, where it's like, would I rather somebody buy a pack of condoms than do an abortion? Well, yes. Right. But I understand. You know, the Catholic Church always works in absolutes. Yeah. Like well, and at, at the ideal, like whenever we're defining any doctrine, we're talking about like the ideal of Christian living. Um, like even Pope Be- Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, when he was talking about um, this this uh, this principle of, I, I don't even think I'm going to get this this term right, but something along the lines of like gradualization, this idea of gradually moving towards towards virtue. Uh, he mentions that um, somebody who was perhaps. Uh, a person with AIDS who went and, went and had um, 
promiscuous sex with a bunch of other people indiscriminately without any protection. And then one day waking up and deciding, you know, I'm going to use protection this day. It's, he says, that's a gradual move towards Christ, even if it's not a perfect move towards Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, Mm -hmm. so perhaps that's, that's a little, that's a little bit present there was this idea of like, well, it's, it's, it's kind of moving that direction, but it's not, it's not a perfect move in that direction. But when the church defines stuff, she has to define things, um, according to like the highest, the, according to the highest morality. Cause that's where, where, where we're looking at the ideal, you know, even if we're not all making it there, you know? Right. Right. I've always been very big on pointing out that it's like, you know, Jesus puts that bar so high that you can't reach it. Cause if you did, then, then you don't need a savior. Yeah. And you're always going to be there yeah. and you're going to rest on your laurels because it's like, side tangent i remember we did a uh a youth group retreat you know with saint peter's years ago and father mugaga came up and he goes through the ten commandments and you're like okay ten commandments are easy i'm not gonna kill anybody i'm not gonna steal anything i'm not gonna cheat on i'm not gonna have adultery and then he goes oh but wait here's the deal let me just break this down to you know um what is you know like when you do a an outline where it's like you got your um, Roman numeral, then the A, then the ones and twos, and then the little A's oh, really? and stuff. And he's just like, this is a sin. This is a sin. This yeah. is a sin. And even if you think about sex, it's a sin. Oh, if you hear <laughs> the word sex, it's a sin. If you even write an S and it looks too curvy, too that's a sexy. Sin. If that's a sexy <laughs> that's S, a, that's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> and it, oh, no, but that's an exaggeration. But you know what I mean. Oh, but it was just funny. like, and yeah. then some of the kids were like, "Well, f this crap! I'm sitting all the time." <laughs> and then yeah, I had I, to ex- explain. I do to something them. similar, but a little bit more basic than like, or a little bit less in your face of 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 how meticulous sin can get. Oh but, yeah, uh, and I don't think he did as bad as I'm making it, but. Right. It's more fun when I tell the story's better this way, but <laughs> but you know, and I was explaining to the kids, it's like, hey, you know, if it's just like, hey, don't have adultery, that's the sin, and then it's like, ah, that's cool, it's just fornication, that doesn't count, right? And it's like, no, yeah, or it's just this, and then it's like, it's only stalking, that doesn't count, right? <laughs> right. You know, it's it's that whole antithesis that Jesus did, right? Whenever. You know, usually you go through the Ten Commandments and, and you're like, okay, the, don't use God's name in vain. Oh, I do that all the time. Keep God as like, uh, the first commandment is, is uh, you know, there's only one God. Don't worship anything else. But, you know, like we really love money and things. Uh, and so like I break that all the time and uh, keep holy the Sabbath or keep holy the Lord's Day. And I'm like, well, you know, we miss church on occasion or honor your mother and father. Well, you know, I don't always treat my parents the best. And then like the fifth commandment, you're like, thou shalt not kill. I'm like, yes. Finally, one I haven't broken, right? And then Jesus comes along and he says, You have heard it said, Thou shalt not kill, but I say to you, whoever's angry with his brother or sister or says to somebody, You're an idiot, you're liable to the judgment of murder. And I'm like, Well, crap. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My grandma was always the one who was like, You kill someone's reputation when you gossip about them. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, but but, but grandma, these are facts. That's not gossip. Yeah, you know, facts, even if if they're facts, they're still, they can still be gossiped versus, uh, you know, fraternal correction, but whatever. Um, yeah. So when I do the little Ten Commandments thing, like, people still break all ten by the time I'm done, but 
not you mean not during like, the class yeah yeah because <laughs> uh, obviously it's it's not through <laughs> the law that we are saved it's through through christ or else we're pelagians right oh yeah well we oh. already did that last last uh yeah we talked about that or did we talk about it in the car I'm pretty sure we talked about it at some point. If we didn't, let us know, and we will talk about Pelagianism. All anyway, let's day. talk about Byzantine Byzantine liturgy. I'm excited. I want to talk All about right, Byzantine. Skipping let's it talk. up. Here's the deal. Yes. They chose, if you don't know, at RE Congress, there are about four or five masses that you can go to for daily mass, which is a trick because you're used to daily mass being about 38 minutes long. But no, this is all the pomp and circumstance, but only one reading. So... So what they do, what I love is they do these different masses and ones in the arena and ones in a ballroom in the, you know, in the second floor of the convention center. Then another one's in like the Hilton's ballroom, one's in the Marriott's ballroom, stuff like that. And they usually have different themes. Like we've been to a Celtic one. We went to uh, a black culture one. Um, We went to a young adult one. We've done a lot of these in the past. Right. And then the the day before was just kind of a generic one. What was it like? I don't know. It was something like, oh, praise to the Lord or something. But it was just a generic one. That's when right. we told you the other day with the cool uh, Bishop Dan Flores. That was fun. You know, he was, was awesome. But it was a good, it was, you know, it was kind of a standard standardisk mass. And, uh, but this one said Russian Greek mass. And I'm like, I betcha this is very Eastern Byzantine style. Of course. And David said, yes, let's do this. And then we said, all right, we're going to go to this. I don't know what you guys want to do. Oh, we'll go with you, Neil and David. (laughs) And then we tricked them. We did. (laughs) They thought they were going to something that they would understand. And they understood nothing. (laughs) It was awesome. So if any of you don't know that... Whoa, whoa! Do you want to explain the Byzantine side? Yeah, we should we should at least give um, give an idea of that. There's what we mean 800 by the Catholic, Catholic churches, Church. and only one's Roman, and the rest are Eastern. No, there are twenty. There are twenty three <laughs> different uh, churches falling under the Catholic Church. So there's the the Roman Church, and then there. So I, oh, this is going to get complicated real fast. So. Um, don't, don't, don't get complicated. I'll, I'll try not to get too complicated. So basically, um, in the early years of Christianity, specifically after it became legalized, after the, the Edict of Milan in 313, 313. Th- there were four four main churches, and then after 330, uh, the, the birth of Constantinople, there was there was five major churches, right? There was the, the church in Rome, obviously, that was founded by Saints Peter and Paul, so it was like it had the prestige of being the double apostolic foundation plus the the foundation of of Peter, right? Mm -hmm. Then you had the church in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. the church in Antioch, the church in Alexandria, and then in 330, Constantinople, the the church that's, um, the city that's, uh, Constantine moved his (laughs) capital to Byzantium, which he renamed Constantinople, because whenever you name your kid Constance, Constans, Constantinople, you might as well name uh, Constantine. So it was, what was it? It was Constans, um, Constance, Constantine II. You might as well name your city Constantinople, right? (laughs) Robert's middle name was almost Constantine. Is it really? What's Robert's middle name? It's, 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 um, Charles. Oh, okay. <laughs> but 
my whole thing when it was when I was gonna call when I had the uh, when I, <laughs> to let you guys know I had these names for my children that I didn't have yet. And since I'm part Italian, I said, oh, I should have Italian names for kids. So my son's name was going to be Pasquale. Nice. And everybody thought that was hilarious. And they would refer to, oh, yeah, when Pasquale's around, instead of saying like Neil Jr. or something like that. So his name was going to be Pasquale Constantine. Nice. And then my daughter was going to be Minerva Marie. (laughs) Ah, yes. But no, two children, two sons, two Robert sons. and a Henry. Yeah, it was gonna be Giuseppe was the second son. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, uh, obviously the the churches in the east, which were basically every church except for Rome, spoke Greek, whereas the church in Rome spoke Latin, and so there was a lot of issues with translations and trouble understanding one another. The filioque controversy, which wasn't as big as what people put it out to be. Um, the the iconic the iconoclasm stuff. Um, anyway, the churches the the big date that we look at is 1054. Whenever um, the emperor in the east uh, he excommunicated or the pope over in Constantinople he excommunicated the pope in Rome and the pope in Rome excommunicated the bishop in Constantinople. <laughs> And so this this mutual excommunication kind of solidified the divide that was already kind of happening. The the great east west divide. Yes, they call it the the eastern western schism in 1054, and um, that that effectively separated the western Roman Empire from the eastern what uh, the eastern Roman Empire. And rather than calling it the the eastern Roman Empire after it crumbled in like the the, what was that? The 15th century, like 1453 uh, no, 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 no. or something like that, right? No, the no, no. The, the the Western, the Western Roman is what you're thinking of, right? No, no, no. But the Eastern Empire ended in like 1453 or something. Yeah, 1450. Yeah, 40. Yeah, because the Western died in 450 or 74, 476. Six, 476, right. and then post that, they always refer to the Eastern Roman Empire as the Byzantine Empire. They actually, historians actually didn't, uh, this is what I looked up because I was really curious about the name, the Byzantine Empire, because historians didn't actually call it the Byzantine Empire till after it fell, like in the 16th and 17th century. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's what I mean, is it's right. like a World War One kind of thing. Oh, exactly, right. They didn't after call the it fact. World War One till after World War Two, <laughs> so they didn't yeah, call they, it the Byzantine, they probably called it the Roman Empire. They sure well, did. They called themselves on. the Roman Empire. <laughs> because... Yeah, I mean, they didn't even have the Holy Roman Empire then. Right, no, that's for Charlemagne. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, so that whole thing, so in a sense, it's kind of a like, well, we're not going to call it the Roman Empire because Rome's not even involved with it, so we've got to call it something else. So it's just half the Roman Empire anyway. Right, they would have called it the the Eastern Roman Empire, but then historians ended up calling the Byzantine Roman the Byzantine Empire instead of the Roman Empire. Yeah, which I think is really interesting because never in the time whenever Constantinople forwards, so never in the time when there was really an Eastern Roman Empire did they ever have anything called Byzantium or or anything like that. So I'm like, they just picked Byzantine, (laughs) so. I guess that's oh. easier to say than the Constantinopolitan Roman Empire. Well, but yeah, but it was yeah because it was Byzantium before that. Right, exactly. So they were just going on old school. 
They just wanted to throw back to antiquity. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you think about it, because the Roman Empire as an empire was only around for, you know, 500 or so years. Right. So you're looking at like 44, 40 or so BC to 476. And then you had the Byzantine Empire half that lasted almost a thousand years. Right. Right. Uh, Exactly. That's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, um, that Byzantine Empire, uh, separating from Rome and the Great Schism caused this massive divide. That's whenever you hear like, the Orthodox Church versus the Catholic Church. So if you hear Russian Orthodox or Greek Orthodox or something like that, those are the churches that are um, considered in schism with the Roman Church. And that schism that they're talking about is that schism of 1054, right? They recognize the first seven ecumenical councils and all that other all that other stuff. So our theology is basically the same. There's some minor differences, major differences in, in, um, in liturgy, but minor differences <coughs> in theology. And then... Yeah, and then uh, as the churches began to come back, I mean, we talked about it before here. Like one of the one of the big ones where they started coming back was the Council of Florence, and the the 15th century or whatever started moving back. Rather than bringing them back in and making them like Roman Catholics, um, and if you if you came back in in union with the with the Pope, basically you just prayed for the Pope again, and you followed and you followed his um, and you and you. Uh, uh, what's it called? You uh, admitted he is um, uh, the primacy. You're, you're admitting the primacy of the Pope, right? That's the language I'm looking for. And so um, they, but the <clears throat> rites, like the the liturgical rites, they even have like the the Oriental or the Eastern canon canon law. Like it's different than the Western canon law, right? And so um, they have. Uh, they have all this stuff, and it's and it's massively different than the than the Western Rite. And what was really funny was I don't think Dylan or or Angel realized how different it was going to be. Like, yeah, because liturgy is so different. Yes, <laughs> as I like to explain to people going in, it's like it's a lot of standing, singing, and incense. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And the the sign of the cross is even different, right? It's uh. Um, the T-Rex arm first versus the T-Rex arm last. And so. Yes. You go <laughs> so head, up, down, forward, and, forehead. Yes. Uh, right shoulder, left shoulder. Oh, sorry. Forward. No, it's it's up, down. Heart. So it's forehead, heart. Right and then shoulder, T-Rex left arm shoulder. And left shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Opposed to forward, heart, or forehead, heart, left shoulder, right shoulder, which we're exactly, used to. Exactly. Which is the. And that's uh, uh, the origin of Dirty Double Crosser, by the way, if you're interested, was the uh, um, the linguistics on that. So if you if you were the double crosser, those per- somebody who went to the Latin rite or the and and kind of betrayed to the Eastern rite or whatever, or vice versa, right? They were called the Dirty Double Crossers because they're crossing <laughs> opposite. Oh, they and, did the opposite cross, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so that was uh, that was really interesting because there was a ton of singing. I think we only sat for the homily, really, right? Um, was the reading? No, no, no. Was? We sat for the first reading. First reading, and then the so homily. all the stuff before the first reading takes like twenty minutes, where in the Latin right. mass seems like it takes five. Right. And then we sit for the first reading, which is still sung. 
Yes. All the yeah, the reading of the song. Yeah, it was awesome. And then we had to stand for the gospel. Then there was the homily we sat. Yes. And then we had to stand for all the you know the liturgy of the Eucharist. His homily was awesome though. His homily was amazing. It was on forgiveness. So in the Byzantine rite, rather than um, starting their Lenten season on Ash Wednesday, they started it on the Sunday uh, on on a Sunday, Sunday prior night. to Ash Wednesday. And that, and so, so this was the Sunday anticipatory on Saturday night, and so they were they were beginning their Lenten um, their Lenten fast, the Great Fast, and um, the the priest who was a Russian was uh, did a whole homily on forgiveness, which was beautiful, and it reminded me of um, Saint Basil's homily. Saint Basil does this homily on on fasting. I think it's like I can't remember. Anyway. He does this homily on fasting, and in the homily, he talks about one of the great lines that really struck me was, um, you don't eat meat, but you eat your brother and your sister. This idea of, um, you know, oh, I'm going to be all pious and avoid meat, and but I'm going to be super unforgiving towards my, you know, these other people that just rub me the wrong way or whatever, you know, and super uncharitable. Uh, and I was like, yeah, this 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 guy's homily was was great because it was right up that alley. This idea of forgiveness and radical forgiveness in that way, and a lot of suffering, and suffering, yes, because you know Lent. So, but I, I liked that. Um, I liked that a lot. Um, and but my favorite part was uh, was communion because they did it two different ways uh, depending on which side of the room you were on. Because we had the Russians and the Greeks with us. And so the, the the Russian side has the has intinction, which if you're unfamiliar with intinction, it's they take the um, the host and they right. It's not leavened. like the little wafers we use. No, yeah, it's actually it's legitly leavened on the eastern side. Is that all easterns, or is it just uh, the Byzantine? Well, any well, are there easterns that aren't Byzantine? Yeah, like the Armenian or. Um, because Armenian's not Byzantine. Oh, it, it, the, so the Byzantine ones are typically labeled the ones that come from from the line of Constantinople. Oh, okay. The influence, right, and then the other ones would be like the Armenians uh, or the Antiochians or the Alexandrians or whatever. Well, then I can't really answer because any of the um, liturgies I've been to have been Byzantine. Because in town, in Vegas, we have a Ruthenian Byzantine church and a Italo Greek. Byzantine Church. So, if there's a Albanian Eastern Rite Church, I've Arme- never been to it. Armenian. There's actually a ton of Armenian Catholics in Las Vegas, but oh. I don't know of one Armenian Catholic Church. Maybe there is an Armenian Catholic Church, and I'm just missing it. Oh, maybe there is. There could um, be an Albanian what's, one too. What's what's the Armenian? Yeah, there could be an Albanian. What's it, what's the church out by St. Peter's? The uh, the Eastern Rite Church. Oh, that Marian. Um, it's a. Uh, is it Armenian? Uh, no, it's not Marian. It's um, uh, what's it called? It's us uh, Teresa. Right. I'm Teresa Calcutta. Or, or is it Teresa hey, Calcutta? Look. I, I just remember. got a text from from a a, <laughs> a little Byzantine myself. My oh neat. My goddaughter's sister. That's awesome. I probably should have looked that up before thinking of this. Or yeah, I know I'm, gonna, a... I'm gonna look up the. Uh, Keep going. Keep rolling right. on what you do. Riff, riff for me. All right, I can do that. So there's a lot of Armenian Catholics in Las Vegas for whatever reason. But yeah, anyway, yeah, because of Jerry Tarkanian. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, Jerry Tarkanian was like the man in Vegas because of UNLV Rebel basketball. 
Oh, and he happens true. to be an Armenian, you know, Armenian-American. There you go. So, so he's probably Armenian Catholic. I don't know anything about about him, but uh, um, because I'm a don't sports. But um, <laughs> <laughs> good thing I like how you said that. You could have said I don't Armenian and I don't <laughs> and I don't Eastern Rite Church. But you're like I don't yeah. basketball. So yeah, I know I don't know a whole lot about the Eastern Rite churches. We we were talking about this before we started recording. We should probably have somebody on the Eastern Rites um, or the. I don't even think they like to be called Eastern Rites. I think they just like because that's a that's a kind of a reduction. <laughs> You know, we we define them by their rights only rather than by their, you know, community. <laughs> but no, they, they, the Eastern Catholic churches. Um, so the Russians have the intinction, which if you're unfamiliar, it's where they take the host and they dip it in the precious blood. So the blood, uh, the precious blood and the and the host, the, the host wafer, co-mingle together. And then and that they distribute on the tongue uh, um only, but the, uh, because of uh, Slavic influence, and I don't remember, like, I don't know enough about, about church history to know when the Slavics kind of had this, um, I, okay, so what I do know is there's there's an intermix in the, in the Slavic tradition of Roman Catholic and Eastern Catholics, but for whatever reason, on the Eastern, on the Eastern side, um, they have the practice of the golden spoon, which I always thought was kind of cool, where they have... Like all of the host inside the chalice, like literally in the chalice, um, with the p- precious blood. So the body and the blood mixed like together cereal. in the chalice. What's that? Like cereal. Like like cereal. <laughs> and then they take a golden spoon, and they they uh, scoop out some of the some of the um, the the precious the the blessed sacrament, and, and they dump it into your mouth. It's um, I always thought that they'd be like the best ones at like desk basketball because, you know, you just you got you got your little oh, lot no, of paper no. and you try to dump it into the hoop, but uh, um, but that's, that's a lot yeah closer. we got <laughs> we were on the Slavic side so we got to receive I was so excited <laughs> to receive from the golden spoon so I thought that because I've I've had I've received in, through intinction before but never through the Slavic golden spoon so I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, because it's either like. It's like a dip and toss right. into your mouth. It's like we dip it in the cup and we toss it in their mouth, and there you go. Then you got body and blood all in one shot. Or right. it's we throw all the. They're almost like little crouton size. Yeah, hosts. Jesus croutons because it's yeah. leavened. Yeah, on that side. Yeah, Jesus croutons that they throw in, and then they say, "Here, we're gonna dish one out and throw it in your mouth," kind of. Right. And they don't say um, the body of Christ when they do it either. Um, they traditionally say your name, but I don't remember what else they say in connection with that. Oh, I can't since... remember either. But yeah, yeah, they do say it's like, oh, geez. But they would say, hey, David, you know, they'd be like, David, body of Christ. But I can't well, remember whatever. what it was. But they're not saying the body of Christ. <clears throat> I don't remember what it is. And they, so they were, they were calling a servant of God. And um, yeah, because clearly they didn't know our names. Because in, a, in these bag. churches, they're usually small. So you right. got like forty people in the community, so the priest knows everybody there. But yeah, if exactly. he doesn't, he'll do name. At least that's what Father Father Francis used to do. Father Francis Favona, God rest his soul. Yeah. No, he used to do the thing where he comes up and he'd be like, name, toss, and then dip, throw, name, down, boom. <laughs> and you're like, dang. Yeah. And you know, because he did it so regimental like that, I was like, whoa. And then. Yeah. Um, and one time he said name to me, and I'm like, Father Francis, you know me. <laughs> I guess you forgot. 
Okay, St. Mother Teresa is a Syrio-Malabar Catholic Church. Syrio-Malabar. Uh, that's Chaldean. It's a Syrian church. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, but it's not Byzantine. So there you go. But it's also not Armenian, so that doesn't help me at all. Sorry, that's no really Ar- interesting. No Armenians there. <laughs> sorry, Ar- Armenia. I'm sorry, Armenian Catholics in Las Vegas. Uh, maybe there is one, and I just don't know, because I, I've, I feel like I've seen a bunch of Armenian baptismal certificates. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. But that was super fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, one of the highlights of of RA Congress for me totally was uh, a going to the going to the uh, Russian Greek Christ, uh, Catholic Ma- or Catholic Divine Liturgy, and and B watching Dylan and Angel freak out, realizing how massively different this was from anything that they could have expected. I think mostly because Angel was the best because she's looking at me. She goes, "I have so many questions." I have so many questions. And part of me was kind of like, aren't you watching this? It's almost the same thing. She's like, I have so many questions. And I'm like, watch this. He's saying the same things for the Eucharistic prayers. They're doing this. We're almost doing the same part here. It's different. And I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. My favorite part of the the liturgy, and I went we 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 went and found the Greek guy afterwards on Sunday to talk about this. Oh yeah, the deacon. Right, but uh, um, the Russian priest, uh, he before he received himself uh, at the Eucharist, he said, "My King, I approach," and I'm like, "Oh, that's beautiful!" Like I, it reminded me of um, the Book of Esther, where Esther was uh, she she dressed in her best, um, and then she goes to approach the king, right? And the king sees her, and he recognizes her, and he accepts her. Um, and so you see this image of this priest decked out in his vestments, just speaking to the um, to the blessed sacrament, saying, "My king, I approach." And I'm like, "Oh man, I hope that's written in the liturgy because that's so beautiful." But but I don't think it because it definitely wasn't in the Greek the Greek liturgy. Um, but I don't know if there was a second a second commingled liturgy in the midst of that, but. Um, the the Greek guy was like, yeah, that's not written in here, and he didn't recall the guy saying it. I think it might have been more of a pious practice than anything, but I thought it was just a beautiful way to uh, receive the sacrament. Yeah, and it was good too because it was in a big enough ballroom where, you know, the incense didn't just kick your butt. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of people there too. I was surprised at how many people went to the uh, um, the Eastern. You know, Catholic Church uh, mass. There was like you could tell the there was people who knew what they were doing, but most everybody was like, "I have no idea what I'm doing." Right. They were like, "This is going to be church with Russian accents, right?" <laughs> and it wasn't. It totally wasn't. It was so much better. <laughs> yeah, I decided I was going to be a, a Byzantine youth minister for a few minutes, and then I realized. I know Jack about the Byzantines, and so I I would not do well as the youth minister in the Byzantine church. It might have been easier because then you only have four kids, too. That's true. <laughs> <clears throat> like um, my goddaughter's sister, she's in. Uh, she goes to um, uh, St. Gabriel's Church School, and they're the Ruthenian uh, Byzantine church. Ooh, and... Right. 
and the school has like four eighth graders that are graduating. Four. Just four. <laughs> yeah. Just four. That's all they get. <laughs> well, that's how the priest can know everyone's name. Pretty much. So the the big takeaways is uh, the Roman churches. We just need to open up a whole lot more. So that way we'll only have four people. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> kind of like how the Mormons are in town, where there's right. one every, like, four blocks. What do they, what do they call it, too? Um, oh, Wards. Uh, wards, that's what it is. I was like, what's the name? I was like, Dicastery. No, that's wrong. Wards. <laughs> yeah. So, let's see. Yeah. So that was that. And then um, what else happened? Oh, so, yeah, Mass was great, and then we were done with that, and then we were, um, what were we trying to do? We were trying to figure out. We were trying out, to get food. Yes, and we thought it would be great to go to a brewery, and I talked to him. I was trying to get a hold of my buddy Jim Moyer, who works for, who works with me, and he um, <clears throat> works in the Orange County area, and then he's always like, you going to the microbrew tomorrow? And I'm like, no, no, tomorrow's German restaurant day, you know? So he's like, okay, okay. But I didn't say, which microbrew should I go to? So right. we looked it up, and there was like 12 breweries in the Anaheim area. Right. And then we found one, the Anaheim Brewery. We went to it. There was no parking. Right. It and was it, like the most popping place on earth. Yeah. And so David got scared because he thought he I might did. have to bump in a person. I don't like touching people. So we found another one on the east side of town. At, or the Oh, no, no. It was the west side of Anaheim there. And it was far enough away that we're like, okay, maybe this is good. And um, yeah, well, that didn't work. For a private event. Yeah, it was close for a private event. <laughs> so that didn't really help us out very much. Yeah. So we're like, ah, crap. So we found another one. And, of course, we're doing all these on Google Maps or whatever. And it said, like, uh, Orange County OC Brewery. And we're driving through it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, just uh, Dylan's like, just make a left here on Hyatt and, or a right on Hyatt. And I'm like, that's like the hotel. <laughs> yeah. And we find out that the hotel has a little brewery inside of it. But it's not even the brewery. It's like a dispensary for the brewery. So they it's don't actually It's just a brew- restaurant. It's just a restaurant where it has beer. And so it was uh very disappointed. It was disappointing. Yeah, but you know, I still got beer so I was okay. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Yeah. But anyway, Sunday, closing out. Let's close out uh, RE Congress before we uh before we close here for us. Yeah, I know we should end soon. Yeah. Um Sunday um <clears throat> you know, we didn't do mass in the morning because we did mass at night. And then, right. um, what was your fir- what was your first class? I'm trying to remember mine. I went oh. to um, Father John Burns and Sister Miriam James, which is I don't know if you guys anybody know anybody knows Miriam James. She is a saint. Um, she is a super holy woman and she has a podcast that is way better than ours called abiding together. So all you out there who listen to ours, you'll definitely like hers. Um, but, um, anyway, theirs was on forgiveness. Her and father John went back and forth and, um, just helping people, uh, experience healing through, through forgiveness and the, the radical power of what that actually means. 
and it was it was a pretty amazing. It was probably my favorite workshop of all of them. And I went to Bishop Barron, so it was definitely my favorite from everything that I that I experienced the weekend. Okay. Do, do you remember what yours was? Yeah, I do remember. It was the marriage class. Oh yes. Marriage. Did they say marriage? No. But I told Lisa now that I took it that we're done and I I got everything handled. Oh, good. I'm sure she appreciates that. Yeah. It's always nice whenever the husband has everything and the wife doesn't have to do anything, right? Right. That always works well. Whenever you just tell her, like, this is how it is, honey. This is, hey, this is how we're doing (laughs) things from now on. (laughs) No, but the one thing I realized too, and that I talked to you a little bit about, was that there's no. We do a lot of marriage prep, and we do a lot of, um, you know, all that preparation for marriage. And then it's like, okay, here's your wedding. Okay, the wedding's over. Yeah. So yeah, we prepare uh, people for weddings and not marriages. Yeah. Well, no, well, I mean, they, no, we do prepare for the marriage in, the, in the prep. I feel like we do a good job with that, or at least when I did it. Maybe like, I'm just cynical. Yeah, well, that's because you got married <laughs> on the east side. I did get married on the east side. Because our classes were really good, and our teachers were good and stuff, and I felt like it was a good stuff, but what it was was um, they said, after you are married, we don't do anything with that. So you can do marriage prep, but you're not doing, like, you know, marriage mentoring or helping out after that. So right. they were talking about on how we should have mentors for marriage and stuff where we kind of did like we had a couple who did taught our class and we didn't do the all day one. We did one where we went to like four classes and stuff. And, you know, if we were to continue to meet with this couple, you know, later on, you know, I don't know, once every six months or three months or something, it might have been helpful or something. Right. But but no, it's kind of like, hey, good. Well, now you're done and you're going to get married tomorrow and your problems will all be solved from there. Yeah, kind of. Or, you know, come and see us when the baptism happens. Yeah. <laughs> Which is this Saturday. Yay. Oh, yes. Henry's getting baptized on on Saturday. Yeah. That's exciting. Which, which is leap day. So it is leap day. February 29th. So oh, just to let you guys a know, anniversary every four years. Yep. So just letting you know when you're listening to this uh, podcast in June or whatever it is. Now you know when we recorded it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, my voice sucks. No, oh, that's okay. We're we're closing out here anyway. Yes. Yeah, so um, um, that was cool. And then what I loved was oh, then we went to lunch with everybody. Yeah, it was Veronica's birthday. Oh, yeah. Monica we Pena, happy birthday. Yes, we went across the street. We did. It was nice. And uh, we got pizza, at, and you guys got Chinese food, and then we met we up. We did get Chinese food. It was delicious. <clears throat> yeah, and then um, what happened? Oh, yeah, so then we're like, oh, good. And then I kept telling Lisa, like, she's like, you guys going to leave early? And I said, I'd like to, but the one class on retreats is the last right. one. Right, we were looking forward to that class on retreats with Cooper Ray. Yeah, it looked good. It did look really good. Then we went there, and uh, um, he had this whole long disclaimer at the very beginning. And it was my favorite part. (laughs) It was like, so this is an introduction. This is a Retreats 101. So if you guys have 
run retreats before. This is primarily written for those who have never run a retreat and kind of how to get them started and stuff like that. So I won't be offended if you guys uh, um, if you guys feel like this isn't the workshop for you. And, and then we and, left. Uh, and then, like, we grab all of our stuff, and we're like, we're slowly backing away towards the door because we run retreats all the time, and we were looking for something a little bit more complex. But uh, um, Yeah, he even said, if you're looking for new ways of doing stuff or whatever, right. that's not going to happen. That's not this one. <laughs> this is just just how to do it, how to get it started. I'm like, now that we know what we're ready for. So yeah. We went shopping instead. So we went shopping, yeah. And I learned about prison ministry. Yes. More to come on that later. Yes. And, and then uh, then we went and we took a pilgrimage uh, about uh, one city south, which was about five minutes away, to Garden Grove, and yeah. went to Christ Cathedral. Which was awesome. Which was we've open. been to before, but not inside. Right. It was beautiful. It was uh, like... They they had some. I don't know how you felt about the art, but I really liked the art. It was it it kind of threw me back to some of the Greek paintings and stuff like that. So yeah, some of the art I liked. It's some like I don't know, like you were saying about the Greek paintings on the tabernacle, and they got a small little chapel on the side and like on the west wing or whatever, on the east wing of the church, and around the tabernacle are four paintings or something. And David felt like they were like ancient Greek looking things. And I said, no, yeah. they look like kindergarten drawings. <laughs> Maybe fourth grade or something. But I thought they looked, they looked nice. like they were just painted and they were like kind of. And I understand that's the artistic fashion. But I was right. like, it's not doing it for me. And it's not like it was like that Greek painting, like where it's all like the uh, the pottery looking stuff. But yeah. Right. And then we went to, across the way and ch- checked out their. Uh... Uh, they had a, a display of some of the stuff from uh, the Sistine Chapel, although the only thing that was free you could go look at was their giant copy of the uh, um, Judgment of the Nations, the, the Last Judgment the um, uh, for Michelangelo. It's actually, in the Sistine Chapel, it's the one that's behind the altar. And so when you do, whenever the Holy Father celebrates Mass, he sees the, um, the, ju- the Last Judgment, the Final Judgment, as a... Uh, as a celebrating mass, which was kind of cool, but that was that was really cool to go through. And then whenever we realized it's eighteen dollars to get in to see the rest of the exhibit, we're like, um, no, thank you. And then we went to the bookstore, and I spent eighteen dollars at the bookstore anyway. And I bought a book too. <laughs> and then I read it in the car. It was fun, out loud for two hours. My throat kind of hurt. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. I need to brush up on my church history too, because I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Because it was a, the the book for the, that you bought was um, uh, ten dates every Catholic should know, right? Yes. Yeah, it was really interesting, and it was all the various historical dates. It started out with uh, three thirteen, the Edict of Milan, and then um, it wasn't quite four seventy six, but they were trying to push towards the end of the Roman Empire um, with Saint Leo, um, Saint Leo the Third. Yeah, one? no, Saint Leo the Great. Saint Leo the Great. So Saint Leo the Great and his um, pushback of uh, Attila the Hun, and yeah. then and then the, um, uh, the the what was it the the Vandals um, the, after that the, yeah the invading Vandals yeah because yeah, the Attila the Hun stuff I think was in four fifty four or something like that right so just it's, before right it's a good like thirty years before everything happened because that's when in seventy six is when 
you know, Rome gets sacked and it's all over. Was Legal even still alive whenever Rome, whenever Rome fell? I think he was dead already. Probably. Because I think Attila was towards the end of his life anyway. We will find anyway. out. But that was really interesting, that read. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I picked up uh, uh, The Soul of the Apostolate by um, Jean-Baptiste uh, Chattard. Because uh, I didn't realize it was still in print, and they happened to be selling it there. And the only thing that I've been reading from was a PDF that I found online for free. Uh, <laughs> so this was much nicer to read from a book versus a PDF. So I was quite pleased to find that one. So. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody else is like, oh, you can find that at any bookstore. I'm like, I don't go places anymore, people. <laughs> he died in 461. 460. Also, so a little before 476, though. I actually thought he died sooner than that, but. Well, it says his papacy ended in 461. I assume that's his death. Yeah, that's going to be his death. <clears throat> yep, he did. Said he was yeah. born, uh, should have been in 400. And he was pope from 440 to 461. And pres- he was uh, preceded by Sixtus III. Sixtus the third. <laughs> Sixtus, yeah. So. Cool. Yeah, so that's, that's that deal. And then we got yeah. home. Yeah, then we got home. Yeah, pretty decent hour, too. I was home at, by 9 o'clock, I think. Ah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, with two drop-offs. Yeah, wasn't bad. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Anaheim was fun again. Yeah. And was. what I like, too, I mean, this is your work thing, but... Because I don't have a a work, you know, show or congress or something right. like that to go to, I always think of this more like mine. Because, like, the one things that I do with work is, like, there's a fastener show where they, you know, sell, like, a lot of screws and nuts and stuff and people I would buy them from. And then there's, like, the gaming show because that's, uh, what's it called, um, uh, all the slot machines and, and video poker and stuff like that that are being made for next year, you know, in our right. business, we sell the screws to the people who make the machines. So we go to those things. But both things are in Vegas. Yep. So I don't go anywhere. You know, I go into the office and then I take off and go to the Sands Expo Center or the Mandalay Bay or something. And, you know, it's a 10-minute drive. So, yeah. I don't stay in the hotel, and I don't do the thing. Like when other guys, like the guys from the Bay Area go to the Fastener show, you know, and you're hearing about on how they're going to all the parties and stuff and and different things. You're like, oh, that's so cool. But we don't do that. Nope. Instead, we go to L.A., and we are the party. So if ever you're going to L.A. Congress, find us. us. <laughs> we are tons of fun, but you guys already know that because you're listening. Yeah, we are pretty uh, fun. We are fun. Yeah. Um, you want to send us out some kind of way? Um, pretty much, you know. Um, look us up online. Oh yes. Oh man, I didn't have mention that in any of these podcasts we've done recently. No, that's okay though. You can you, we could tag it on the end if you want to do yeah. something like that. Oh yeah, that's true. You could do like a thing where it sounds canned. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe I should just make something like that. Yeah, but check us online. You know, I want we need feedback because nobody's fed back on us, and we know we have listeners in like Australia and stuff. So, 
we do have listeners in various places. Uh, for those of you guys who are looking for us on the Instagrams, we are Among Wolves Pod, uh, at Among Wolves Pod, and you can find us on Facebook that way as well. Although I really suck at social media because I don't use it myself anymore, um, although I, I'll try to be better with the just the Among Wolves stuff because I don't really need it for my personal life. Uh, and then other place you can find us is awpodcast.fireside.fm. That's the host site, so if you want to see what's going on on there or if you want to find various links to um, any of the other podcatchers that we um, that uh, that are using our stuff, because we're we're in a bunch of places, um, you're welcome to just check out awpodcast.fireside.fm and to find us there. Yeah. Cool. Do we have an email yet? I think AW Podcast made us make one. I have no idea what it is. Oh. So, yeah. How are people going to comment? I don't know. Well, find <laughs> well they among... can comment on our Facebook or on our Instagram. We can get direct messages and stuff like that. Yeah, DM can... us and do some comments. We can read it on the air. Or if you don't yeah. want us to read it on the air, we won't read it on the air. We Unless... can make it anonymous and you yeah. can say anything you want. Oh, that's true. And Sally we'll just repeat this. it because we are your puppets. That's right, Karen. So, <laughs> put... That's the thing, you know, um, put it on there and then we can listen to this stuff and find out what you feel about us. Because yeah. you know what, David, there's all the metrics and stuff where you're like, oh, 100 people downloaded this episode, but I don't know if they listened to the whole thing. That's true. They I also don't know if they liked it. They could have downloaded it and said, this is crap. Please, if you, uh, if you do like our stuff, please review us on iTunes so more people can find us and see what's going on. Because uh, uh, right now, the number one downloaded podcast episode is bonus episodes or sloppy, sloppy seconds. Uh, and that is our just our bonus content. Uh, and it has uh, like 130 downloads, which isn't a lot in podcast land, but it's a lot in Neil and David land. Yeah, and so. that's literally a podcast of stuff that David cut out of other things. Yeah. I was like, I was like, there's really not anything in here, but people people liked it for whatever reason. So let us know what it is that you guys are liking, and, and uh, um, we'll try to do a little bit more of that. And if it's comic books, let me know. Yes, because we got people from writing or listening to us from the United Kingdom. Uh, let's see. Well, hold on, let me get to my to my other section. We got um, Canada, Grenada, Mexico, and obviously the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., heavily Nevada, obviously, because that's where we're at. But a bunch of people from California. We got people in Virginia, Washington, uh, New Mexico, Texas, Colorado. Um, Colorado peeps. What up, Colorado? Uh, yeah, that's that's your old following. That is my old my old home hometown for stuffs. North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, hey, where's uh, uh, Nun and Nunner from? Where, 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 They're where, from uh, um, Indiana. Michaela? Indiana, so well, there there must be listening on other than because others listed on here as well, but Indiana is not listed on here. They they did. We met Nun and Nunner at the youth rally. It was really cool meeting them, and they were very cool ladies. And I very was sweet. like already like I want to hang out with you, but what was funny is is they were um, for the uh, youth rally. One of the promos we did for it was the other MC was uh, Ray and I, we did a promo where we were like in a podcast studio, which the guy who filmed the um, 
the promo has a podcast studio in his living room, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And he was like, oh, just do this and make it look like we're it's a podcast promoting it. We're like, yeah, we could do that. So we did it. And they were like, hey, you're the guy from the video. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? You were pretty good. You should do a podcast. And I said, I do. I do it with David. And then she's like, oh, cool. What's it called? And I said, Among Wolves. And she's like, awesome. I listened to that. It's so cool. Like, you you're Among, Among Wolves? Wolves. I'm like, no way. You don't listen to us. <laughs> and I'm trying to think. They probably are listening to Catching Foxes. And they thought it was us. <laughs> Oh, no, Catching Foxes is way better than us. We are derivatives of them on purpose. And so... Because we were going to be catching wolves. But that would be way too derivative. Yeah. (laughs) We're just the clean version of what they got. But they're... um, Oh, yeah, we should be like that. That would be awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, Anything else you want to add? No, I think I'm good. Cool. I I got to take out the trash. Oh, yes. I got to go to bed because I'm an old person. Well, I also have to go to bed because I don't know when Robert's going to get up. Is it two? Is it four? Yeah. <laughs> Does Gemma get up like that? Nope. Gemma <laughs> gets up uh, right about five thirty, six o'clock. Uh, you're so lucky. Yeah. <sighs> I never thought I'd be lucky for getting up at five thirty or 6 o'clock. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I just make him go back to bed. Yeah. He no, just, I just grab her and throw her in because by the time that she's up at five thirty, six o'clock, I know that Isaac's going to come up, and then whenever Isaac gets up, there's no going back to bed. It's just, uh, it's time to time to get up. Well, that that makes sense, but it's just like you know when it's two o'clock and he's like, "Let's go downstairs. I want to watch." Yes, no, two watch o'clock trucks. is rough. Be like, "Here's the remote, kid. Go do it yourself." I'm almost <laughs> to that point. <laughs> All right, let's end this. Yeah. Ready to close out? Yeah. All right. right. Uh, Fan the flame and light the wind. Yeah. Sup, fold. Bye, fold. See you later, fold. Watch out for them wolves. Oh, that's what I, you know, um, I I was, uh, I'm praying my way through Matthew right now. I was in the middle of Matthew 10 uh, yesterday, and it was the uh, the reading on Among Wolves. I sent you out a sheep among wolves. I'm like, yes. Yes, you do, Jesus. You were like, Jesus did a call out to us. (laughs) He's Jesus like, shots out our, out our um, podcast. <laughs> I send you out among wolves. And then Peter was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs>